Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Dan. This is the Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We kick it off with Mary Kay, Ellis, and me talking about Mason Rudolph starting for the Steelers and expectations for the remainder of this season, how we might judge it if the Browns miss the playoffs. Then Terry Pluto is going to join in the second half to talk all things Browns. So stay tuned for all of that. Of course, check out Football Insider for exclusive content on Cleveland.com, an exclusive newsletter every day, and to get involved in our text subscription service where you get news, updates, and analysis constantly throughout the day. It's all at Cleveland.com slash Browns. There's a blue banner at the top of the page. Click on that for more information and to get signed up. Hey everybody, welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. Today we have Mary Kay Cabot with us. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. And also Ellis Williams. Ellis, how are you? I'm cool, man. Still in Minnesota. I'll be back <laughs> for the Steelers-Browns game, but I'm looking outside my window and it's snowing, so everything feels kind of normal. Ellis has been traveling all over the place, racking up the frequent flyer miles here over, over the last couple of weeks, but really only going to two places, Minnesota and New Jersey, uh, back-to-back weeks. But uh, All right, so the news of the day as we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, the news, of course, is Mason Rudolph. I, I guess as expected, it was certainly still up in the air, but it's not a surprise. Mason Rudolph will start for the Steelers on Sunday in the Browns, what is essentially a do-or-die game uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Question here with Mason Rudolph, I guess, is does it does it change your perspective on this football game that it's going to be Mason Rudolph instead of Big Ben? Or, you know, do you feel like the Browns were kind of with the way the Steelers have been playing and the Browns have been playing last week aside, the Browns were, were kind of in a position to win regardless? You know what? It does change a lot for me because I have watched Big Ben since 2004 just crush the Browns. The record now is 23-2-1, and one, uh, but that doesn't even include a game in which he came in off the bench and won, okay? <laughs> so he just dominates the Browns. He owns the Browns, and it's very difficult uh, for me to pick against Big Ben. Now, I would have done it. I would have done it because I think the Browns are going to rise up, and I think they're going to win this darn football game and clinch that elusive playoff spot. But Mason Rudolph changes everything in my mind. I mean, in that last game that he started against the Browns last year, the helmet game, he threw one touchdown, four interceptions. It was basically a disaster for them. And I just don't see 
it getting much better this game. I'm actually almost a little bit surprised that Mike Tomlin isn't starting Ben Roethlisberger and at least letting him sort of get things rolling. I mean, if they got out to a 14 nothing start or something like that, you know, take the guy out and, and see if you can, can't keep it going. And the only reason why I say that is because the Browns are kind of getting hot at the right time. And the Steelers might turn around and play them again, you know, next week or the week after that in the playoffs. And, you know, how are they going to feel if they let the Browns into the playoffs and then the Browns eliminate them from the playoffs? So that I thought that that might be a big part of the equation. Obviously, they're not going to worry about that. But Mason Rudolph is not Ben Roethlisberger. It changes a lot in my mind. Yeah, I'm with you, Mary Kay. It, it changes a lot only because I'm operating from a sense where watching that Colts game and my really just the Colts Steelers second half, it looked like the Steelers from the first part of the year. And specifically, it looked like the Steelers that Browns fans saw Cleveland face in Pittsburgh and get completely rocked in terms of the passing game. That uh, touchdown to Juju Smith-Schuster that Ben Roethlisberger threw this past week looked a lot like the, the double move that got Denzel Ward on the outside uh, when they were in Pittsburgh. Big Ben pumped a, a wrap in and threw over the top of the Colts secondary for you know like a 30-yard Juju Smith touchdown. And to me, it looked like, okay, this looks like the Steelers offense that, that primarily needs to dink and duck, dunk down the field three, four yards shorts and unders, but then can occasionally go over the top. They found that again. And I thought that coming to Cleveland, it would be a lot of that big Ben getting guys down the field against a secondary for the Browns. It's been nothing but really suspect all year in the middle of the field down the seam. And they have been proven to get beaten on double moves. I'm with you also Mary Kay, where I thought it would make a lot of sense to start big Ben, at least for the first half, see how things go, see what your lead looks like, just kind of feel the game out. And if you want to go for the knockout blow, keep going. If you want to pull Big Ben, you pull him. Instead, now you're sitting here with Mason Rudolph, and it changes everything because now I don't know what to expect. The last time Mason played, as you noted, he did throw it 44 times. Big Ben leads the league in pass attempts at 40. Perhaps this offense doesn't change, and we just see Mason Rudolph quarterbacking Big Ben's offense and they're going to just throw the ball over the place because they haven't been able to run it at all. Or maybe this is a game where they try to get their running game going. And even if it doesn't work, they try and they're okay with exiting Cleveland with a loss and the Browns handle things pretty easily. I don't know what this is going to look like and that's why it's changed everything for me. Yeah. I, you know, I think Mike Tomlin is just looking at this, like, I don't, he obviously doesn't care about winning this football game or he would start big Ben. Um, I, I think this is one of those situations where the only thing to really guard against for the Browns is letting the miles versus Mason thing become a distraction. I, I don't think the Steelers will let that happen. And so this is a chance for kind of Kevin Stefanski and his staff to, to prove that they can kind of keep this team focused on, on the task at hand. And I think miles has done a good job kind of, a, of not making that a distraction as well. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Mason Rudolph is going to come into first energy stadium and knock the Browns out of the playoffs. I just don't see that happening. Uh, I, I don't think he's really a very good quarterback, to be honest. So I, I don't think the Browns have a lot to worry about there. The, the only surprise to me is I thought maybe this kind of goes with what you were saying, Ellis. Maybe you'd give Ben a half 
because you were playing so bad all December. And I think you got that confidence against the Colts and maybe you want to see if you can just keep that momentum going. And then you sit big Ben down regardless of situation in the second half. Um, so look, I think this is a really big break for the Browns and, and we're going to get into this, um, you know, after this question, but this is a really big break for the Browns who have to win this football game to get to the playoffs. And uh, they, they should, they should be thrilled that it's Mason Rudolph out there starting. They're not going to say it. They're going to say all the right things this week, but this was probably the best news of the week for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, it, it really is. It's an enormous, enormous break. Once again, now the Ben Roethlisberger that we had been seeing for the previous three weeks before this Colts game, you know, I would have thought, you know, that Ben Roethlisberger was incredibly beatable, but the whole Steelers team seemed to wake up in the second half of that Colts game. I mean, like, where were those passes coming from? Where were those downfield passes? Coming from? <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, where has that been? Uh, the other thing that you have to worry about, uh, and Dan, you've mentioned this a number of times, is that James Conner somehow finds his legs against the Cleveland Browns. Loves running the ball against the Browns. <laughs> yeah, so that that's something, you know, that's something to also consider. But, uh, you know, the Browns have allowed quarterbacks such as Mike Glennon uh, to put up some points on them. Uh, you know, they they have not, uh, you know, they let Sam Darnold hadn't really been playing very well, but they let Sam, uh, you know, throw some touchdown passes. So th they're, gonna, they're going to have to be careful. But I, I just don't really think that, uh, that Mason Rudolph is going to present much of a challenge to the Cleveland Browns. I'm just not feeling it. Uh, now, again, having said that, I certainly, I still wasn't feeling the Browns losing to the Jets, even without Jarvis, Rashard, Donovan, Peoples-Jones, and Kaderil Hodge, and B.J. Goodson, and Jacob Hills. I still wasn't feeling a Cleveland Browns loss there. So I suppose anything can happen. And here's how it can happen. If the Steelers' defense rises up and decides that they are going to win this football game, then they have a chance. They can score. They can get turnovers. They can create pressure. We, we've seen what Minka Fitzpatrick did last time. I mean, if they can rattle Baker Mayfield into some mistakes, they can win this football game. So he's going to have to be really good Baker in this game. Yeah. And, and Mary Kay, I agree with that. And I want to ask you guys something quickly. Do we think this sitting and resting starters ends with Big Ben? Because you're right, you could start naming a lot of these playmakers on the Steelers' defense, and that is what makes them so frightening. But if it Big Ben sitting, why not rest a guy like Cam Hayward? Why not rest um, on offense, Marquise Pouncey? You know, the interior can get a little, little – challenging at times why risk an injury you know you can keep your edge rushers a, a little more safe but why not rest tj watt i know mike Tomlin said that the majority of starters are going to play and i suppose we should believe him on face value but do we think this is just a big ben sitting situation or do you think come closer to game day or even on the field all of a sudden you're going to see steelers starters slowly exit the game you know what? It's a great question. And I, I watched the um, Mike Tomlin live this morning and uh, was trying to, you know, be ready and anticipate an announcement. Wasn't sure if he would go ahead and do that today. Yeah. You can kind of keep the Browns guessing for a couple of days, you know, because uh, they're not practicing today. So, um, so I was a little surprised that he actually made the announcement today. Um, but he did say the vast majority of other guys are going to play. Now, one of the things about TJ Watt is that he is a leading candidate for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. 
Yep. So I would think that TJ Watt would want to go out and strengthen his case. Uh, so that that's one thing. Uh, you know, if he goes out and has a couple of big plays, then, uh, you know, he can really catapult himself into that award. And it seems like Mike Tomlin believes that he deserves it. Uh, so it seems to me like he's going to play. But, you know, you never really know how it's, it's going to play out. We're, we're going to find out uh, probably fairly early on in the game if this matters to them or it really doesn't matter right. to them. And it would seem to me that it doesn't matter that much if you're not starting Big Ben. Maybe, uh, maybe this is a little gamesmanship from Mike Tomlin to, uh, to name him this early. You know, he could have gone the other way and, you know, kind of played the, the game of, oh, I don't know who we're going to start, but maybe it's a little gamesmanship to get the Browns talking a little bit <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe get them distracted by that other storyline of uh, the Miles Mason rematch. Wait, what if uh, what if what if Ben comes in off the bench? I mean, I I've seen <laughs> that happened before, but I mean, like, what if something uh, weird like that happens where they just see that the game is in a certain at a certain point, and uh, now maybe he won't even be active. You know, right. I don't know. He may he might even be inactive. But what if what if he comes in off the bench? Twenty fifteen, all over again. <laughs> yeah, and that will be that will be interesting to see if he's going to serve as Mason Rudolph's backup, which would then almost tell me this is a you know pseudo tryout for Mason Rudolph in a way. You know, not that Big Ben is going away next year by any means, but you know that there are going to be questions in Pittsburgh eventually about who's replacing Big Ben, and no better opportunity than the field that he threw it 44 times on last year, and you know that could be also a reason to name him this early, give him the week, give him the full confidence that you are a guy going in this. And are you the guy of the future for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Okay. The, the, uh, the real topic I wanted to get into today, uh, after talking about too much about Mason Rudolph, <laughs> the real topic I wanted to get into was the Browns are in this situation where I think by all accounts, this has been a successful season for them. They're 10 and five. They're playing a, you know, what is essentially a winner go home game. There are scenarios where they could lose and get in. But they also have this situation now where because they lost to the Jets and them doing it in such a weird way kind of throws a wrench into this discussion a little bit too. But because they lost to the Jets, they could lose to the Steelers. They could go 10 and six and they can miss the playoffs. And I, I think there's some discussion. I've seen it a little bit on Twitter. I try to not get too caught up and you know put too much stock into what a couple people on Twitter might be talking about. But I think this is one of those things that's gaining a little steam. And I wanted to ask you guys this. If the Browns lose these last two games and they miss the playoffs, they finish 10 and six. Does that ruin this season? Is this still a successful season? Can, can we still make that claim? Or would, would two losses at the end of the year to the Jets and the Steelers, the Mason Rudolph led Steelers to keep them out of the playoffs, would that make it so this season is not a success? You know what? I, I have to, I have to say it would make it so the season is not a success. You know, I just don't think that you can go into uh, New Jersey with an opportunity to clinch the playoffs against a team that had won one football game and lose that game when everything is on the line. All you have to do is control your own destiny on that day. And I know it was a stressful 24 hour period, but they still had pro bowlers in Kareem Hunt, in Nick Chubb, in Austin Hooper, in Jack Conklin in Joel Batonio. That's five Pro Bowl players on your offense alone, okay? And then you go over to the defensive side of the ball. You've got Pro Bowlers in Miles Garrett, 
Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon, and Denzel Ward. Okay. So on that side of the ball, you've got four pro bowlers. I might even be missing one. So you've got nine pro bowl players amongst your 22. Yes. I know it was a difficult 24 hour period with what happened, but you've still got a way to find a way to pull out that game. You've still got enough really talented football players on your team that you should have found a way uh, to win that game. I, I think it's still kind of unacceptable that that happened the way that it did. And it happened in part, uh, you know, and, and Baker put it on himself that, uh, you know, he wasn't able to hang on to the ball in the most crucial moment of the football game. So, and because they, you know, they had a chance, if not for that. And then if you go into this game against Mason Rudolph with another chance in back-to-back weeks to clinch your first playoff spot in 17 years against a backup quarterback, no, and you don't do it, that is not a successful season. You have to, you've come this far, you're this good, everything has gone pretty much your way and you've had all these opportunities to get to this point. If you blow it now, I can't call this a success. I mean, there are, there are things to be optimistic about going forward. There's a lot to get excited about, but I would not be able to call this season a success if you blow two opportunities that are right in the palms of your hands to make the playoffs. And I, I set the bar at them making the playoffs this year. So uh, according to my own standards that I set at the beginning of the season, I still would think that, that they should have made the playoffs. Everything Mary Kay said is accurate. Uh, To me, optics matter a lot. I need to see what this game in week 17 ends up looking like before I could deem the season being unsuccessful based on a loss. Meaning if they go out there and this looks like Pittsburgh versus Cleveland that all Browns fans are used to, then yeah, that's a major disappointment. You lost to the Jets and then you lost to a backup quarterback in a ugly fashion. If they play a hard fought game, if they lose on a field goal, something crazy like that happens. I can't call this season a failure for these reasons. Context is extremely important in terms of COVID-19 and how it's impacted this season. When we look back on this year, I think it will stand prominently what Kevin Stefanski built throughout his circumstances of a virtual off season, of a shortened off season, you know, no rookie mini camps, no preseason games, so on and so forth, to then carry it throughout the season to have this team make the strides it made, not just in the win-loss column. Browns fans, when you watch this team, specifically this offense, play football, and I do think the defense will make the strides next year that the offense made, assuming health, you're going to see, because you're already seeing on the offensive end, players that are students of the game. The way Baker Mayfield is an expert in play action now, the way receivers and tight ends and running backs use pre-step motion, these Football players are playing chess on the field, and that's a product of Kevin Stefanski and his coaching staff. So the reason I would call it a success if they lose in close fashion against the Steelers is because of everything I just listed, because of the circumstances in which they lost the Jets game, and because Browns fans can feel confident that they will see a playoff berth eventually. I know nothing's guaranteed in the NFL, and Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl 
two, three years ago, and now is already on the hot seat. I get that things change quickly in this league, but it really feels like the foundation for this organization is set with Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry going forward. I'm confident Browns fans will see either a playoff berth this year or one down the road. I'm going to steal Mary Kay's word of disappointment, but use it in a different situation. It would be disappointing if they didn't make the playoffs only because of the momentum that this team's built offensively and defensively and being a turnover creating type of unit would fall flat. Their defenses are going to have an entire defense coordinator is going to have an entire off season to figure out what made this offense go. What worked so well for Kevin Stefanski this year, most likely won't be such bread and butter next year. Think the Ravens think Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers events. And not that, the, that not that the Browns are running, running gimmicky things, but it's just the nature of this league things catch up and you have to adapt. Think of the Los Angeles Rams, you know, Jared Goff has played in a Super Bowl. And now teams are wondering what's going on with Goff and that Rams offense. Because of the having not having a book on the Browns, it has very much helped their offense this year. And because of that unpredictability, I think they have a chance to upset some teams in the playoffs if they make it there. That's there's no guarantee of that or what this offense looks like next year. Their offensive line has remained healthy up to this point. There's just things that go into a season that get you to a certain point that it would be disappointing if they weren't able to capitalize on them. But as for a big picture, successful or unsuccessful it would be a success for me assuming they don't lose ugly against Pittsburgh because of the clear and smooth foundation Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry have laid up until this point yeah I I mean I I think the way I look at it is this I I kind of take these last two games here if the Browns lose these last two games um you know look I'll go on the post game show that we do you know the Monday after that game will certainly be critical of what happened in these last two games. And it will be a massive disappointment if this team based on where they were two weeks ago does not make the playoffs. But for me, the overall success of the season kind of rests on some of the things you touched on Ellis, you feel really good about the coaching staff. You feel good. I mean, I think it's safe to say, I mean, look, Baker could be a disaster on Sunday. Maybe that changes this discussion a little bit, but I think we you feel good about going into a fourth year, at least with your quarterback. You feel good about what this team can do defensively to attack some of the holes defensively and the guys they might get back. Um, so I think the way I look at it is if, if they lose on Sunday and they miss the playoffs, it's going to be a really crappy week. Like for Browns fans, for this organization, you left an opportunity on the table. But I think because of what we've seen this season and because of the steps they've made, once they add players on defense, once they go through a draft, we're going to start hearing, hey, Browns might be AFC North favorites. The Browns could maybe compete with, you know, they take that step next year. To me, next year is the year that is pedal to the floor, playoffs are bust. If you don't make it, it's a failure, you know, and probably beyond, right? If you don't make it to the playoffs next year and win a playoff game, compete for the AFC, you know, your roster is getting expensive. You have all this talent, just second year with the coach. That's when it becomes playoff or bust for me. For me, it would be, man, the Browns really left an opportunity on the table. That's really disappointing. But everything they've accomplished this year makes me feel good. So I don't think this season, in my mind, would be a failure if they lose on Sunday. It would just be the last two games. Yeah, then we can use the word failure. But I would still call this season a success. All right. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here. That's fine. But Counterpoint. I want to be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> but, and, and there's a difference between grading it a success 
and grading it a failure. I'm not saying this season that, would yeah, be Yeah, that's a, fair. Right? I'm not saying it would be a failure by any stretch of the imagination. But I still don't think you can, in my mind, call it a success if they miss the playoffs after all this. And, and here's why. Yes, the future does look bright for all those reasons that you guys mentioned. But think about this, you guys. They drafted Miles Garrett number one overall in the land, okay, in 2017. If you are not in the playoffs by his fourth season, there's something wrong, okay? Baker Mayfield, they drafted him number one in the country in 2018. He should be, when he is surrounded by the talent that he's surrounded with, able to make the playoffs in his third season. Now, if he was in the situation that Sam Darnold is in right now, no, no. That guy's got hardly anything around him to get there. But Baker Mayfield was put inside a wonderful little igloo bubble thing this year where all he had to do was go out and do his job to the best of his ability because everything else is right there for him on a silver platter. They signed Jack Conklin. They drafted Jedrick Wills. They signed Austin Hooper to a $10.5 million a year contract. They've got Jarvis, they've got Odell, they've got Kareem, they've got Nick. I mean, there's pro bowlers everywhere, all over the place on this football team. And now, in addition to all of that, they brought in a football coach that can coach and bring it all together, okay? So with everything that they have, offensively and defensively, I mean, look, they paid Olivier Vernon another $11 million guaranteed this year. They've still got Sheldon Richardson. They signed, you know, Adrian Claiborne and Malcolm. They've got Malcolm Smith and they got Ronnie Harrison. And, you know, this team is at least built to make the playoffs this year. Not necessarily built to win the Super Bowl. That, that will come once they figure out how to get past Patrick Mahomes, probably. They're going to have to go out this summer, this offseason, and add more defensive pieces. But... This year, if you can't make the playoffs with the amount of talent on this football team. Now, last year, they had an excuse. The coaching was not there for them. It just wasn't there. But now it is. Now it is. And it has to. And, and Kevin Stefanski is right to take some blame for what happened up in New Jersey against the Jets. He, he deserves to, to take to shoulder some of the blame for that. Because you need to go up there and you need to win that football game. Yeah, I think one of the things I would have done in that game is I would have given the ball to Kareem Hunt more. Okay. He's a pro bowl player. He touched the ball seven times in that game. Meanwhile, you're throwing the ball 26 times to two guys that Baker doesn't know very well in Jamarcus Bradley and Austin Hooper, 26 times. Okay. Targets. What about more Nick Chubb? What about Kareem, more Kareem Hunt in the passing game? What about call me crazy? What about more David Njoku even in the passing game? Why? Even though he can be inconsistent at times, Baker knows him. He has more chemistry with him, I will argue, than he does with Austin Hooper right now. Now, do they like each other that much? I don't know about that. (laughs) I'm not really too sure about that. But he has more chemistry with him. And David is going to go out there and and he's going to catch the football for you most of the time this year. So I would have done more David. I would have gone more Kareem Hunt. I would have 
I, I don't know. I think I would have tried some of the Jarvis stuff. I, I, I probably would have thrown Derek Willies out there and had him go on a go route. I mean, even Derek Willies has some chemistry with Baker Mayfield. We were talking about that heading into that game. They, they've spent time together. They know each other. Like, why not try throwing him the football in that game? So I, I just think that you cannot lose these two games. Now, I don't think they're going to lose the last game. So this is going to be a moot point. But I don't think that you can lose these two games with a chance to make the playoffs and call this season a success with all this talent. Yeah, I would like to have someone go back in a few years and do a 30 for 30 on the Jets past two wins. And in the segment where they focus on the Browns game, I hope they can get Kevin Stefanski and really figure out what went into that that game plan because I'm sure it was the original game plan to throw that much but Mary Kay you make a lot of really good points like if you're going to throw that much then why not do it in different ways and if you're that or scrap it and run more I, I I completely agree and we may not ever figure that out but it's worth diving into because when you if really this season comes down to that Jets game costing them it it is going to be in its simplest form probably one of the toughest lessons to learn for a first year head coach. There's just no way that Kevin's fancy can look back on that game and not want to change, you know, five, 10 things about his game planning decision-making. Dan, what would you have done differently in that game? When you, I mean, have you, you, you probably rewatched the game by now. Or you're I, getting... I would have kept running the ball. Mm-hmm. I know that's like, you know, I don't want to sound like old school, like football guy, pound the ball, but. I would have kept running the ball like you did against Philadelphia, right? That was, that was the game when Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt finally kind of broke loose in the second half. The Jets weren't stacking the box. No. And I thought they would, but the Jets did not stack the box on Sunday no. at all. They so didn't. I would have just kept saying, I know Nick Harris did not play well. And I know Jedrick Wills is a really big piece of that run game and not having him hurt, but it's Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Like those We've talked about it. Those are two. Nick Chubb is a top five back. Kareem Hunt is probably, you know, you probably still view him as a top 10 back. That's what I would have done. I would have run the ball more and I would have used Kareem Hunt in the passing game more. Um, yeah, I, mean, I just think relying, it, it just felt to me like Kevin Stefanski came into this game. And I understand why, because the strength of the Jets defense is the run game, mm-hmm. but it's still the Jets and Quinn and Williams is out of the game. And you should be able to go in there and impose your will against them. And it, it's hard to change a game plan. It's whatever it was, 16 hours. And I know that there's other guys that have been spending the week getting ready to, to work in that game plan and that it throws them off too when you do that. But it's also not hard to send out Andy Janovich and Nick Chubb and whatever, 22 personnel, whatever you want to send out there and just say, we're going to run the ball 30 times today. Maybe it's not the way we want to play anymore. This, this team wants to be a pass heavy team now, I think, but that, you know, if, if that would have been a do or die game, that, that game plan would have been a disaster. You, you've got to be able to adjust. Yeah. And, and how, how do you only give Kareem Hunt seven touches? I mean, if you look back to Kareem Hunt's rookie season, I mean, th- think of all the ways that Andy Reid used him, obviously in, in the passing game and how many times he caught the football and how dangerous he, he can be. So go with some of the things that you know are going to work. A Pro Bowl player who can hurt you in the run game and the passing game, do that more than a guy that you pulled up from the practice squad 
yesterday, right? I mean, so what? Kareem is smart enough to go run some routes, okay? You can plug him in and do some things with him. Pull him aside and, I mean, go, do it on the fly. Adjust on the fly if you have to. I just think that, uh, and, and what do you guys think about me saying that about David Njoku? You probably both think I'm crazy, right? Well, but, I, I mean, I, I don't really trust David Njoku in the passing game at all. But look, Austin Hooper was not good on, on Sunday. That's really the story to me. Like you, you paid Austin Hooper $10 million and he didn't show up on Sunday when you needed him. He caught four of his first five targets and then disappeared. That's not good enough. So, yeah, I mean, and, and that kind of goes to go back to the question that goes back to why, you know, in my mind, if this happens and they don't make the playoffs, you know, it, it's absolutely positively fair to say, well, you should have beat the Jets and you should have beat Mason Rudolph and you didn't. And that those were failures by whoever, whoever did it. But I also believe that if this team gets where I think they can get to over the, you know, let's call this a five-year window. Mm -hmm. If this team gets where they can get to, I think we will look back on this season, the COVID year, everything was crazy. Kevin Stefanski handled it well. He established a culture. He established a system. I think we'll look back on this season and kind of the grand scheme of the expansion era Browns and say this was kind of, this was the season, even though they fell short, that kind of turned things. Mm -hmm. But that's, look, also, that's a big if. There's no guarantees. You said it, Alice. There's no guarantees in the NFL. We've seen that over and over again. But I think... It's hard to not feel good about this team, at least moving forward. Yeah, Dan, I agree. In the macro, this has been a success, but in a micro sense, if they don't stick this landing and it's a loss to the Jets and it's a loss to a backup quarterback, that is going to be a missed opportunity considering all the momentum they've built up to this point. And you know what? I, Having said all this, I think they're going to win the football game on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I think we all do, right? Right, and here's here's what I think. And even though I'm being really hard on them about the Jets game and you know easy for me to say when they had to do a walkthrough in the parking lot at eight parking garage at 8 15 in the morning on Sunday so easy for me to say it was a, a hellish day um, but when they make the playoffs and they're going to make the playoffs because they're going to beat the Steelers when they do they're going to look back to that Jets game and they will have learned some things from it okay they made some coaching mistakes in that game and players made some errors in that game. They relied too heavily on players that Baker doesn't necessarily have chemistry with yet. And I think that will inform some of what they do going forward. Uh, I, I think that they learned, they learned some things from, from that situation that will help them because as we all know, once they get into the playoffs, anything can happen and we should not forget this we all have been talking about this for weeks this team was getting hot at the right time okay they were getting really hot offensively pretty much defensively doing some really good things and that all still holds true once all these guys start marching back into the building on thursday and once ronnie harrison gets back out there and wyatt teller comes back and jed wills comes back it's going to be a football team that can go into these playoffs and scare the crap out of a lot of football teams in the NFL, including the Pittsburgh Steelers, who might end up being sorry that they didn't start Ben Roethlisberger in the season finale. Because the Browns, once they get there, 
have the potential to make some noise and they are going to get there. I truly believe it. All right. So there we go. We've got uh, Terry Pluto coming up in the second half to talk more Browns for you, but uh, there you go. Browns and Steelers on Sunday, clinching game. Let us know. However you can figure out to let us know, tweet at us, leave us a five-star review and let us know if you think this season is a failure or a success, regardless of what happens uh, on Sunday against the Steelers. Uh, but I think that covers just about everything. So for Ellis and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Terry Pluto coming up on the other side. And now we welcome on Terry Pluto. Terry, how are you? I'm well, Dan. Okay. Um, so here we go. The Jets game, I feel like that was an outlier. Um, so let's put it this way. If you had told Browns fans they're going to be 10 and 5, they're going to be playing for the playoffs a win over the Steelers gets them in, especially if you would have told them that after the Baltimore game, I think Brown, most Browns fans would have taken that back in September. Well, you would hope so. You tell, if you told them that after they were six and 10, if you told them after they got hammered by Baltimore the first time after they got hammered by Pittsburgh, um, I think even the second Baltimore game, basically it's where you, you know, the old thing you, where you want to be. Cause I was hoping I originally picked them to be eight and eight. What did you pick them? Uh, that's what I picked too. Okay. And I thought at best 10 wins in my mind, but you know, I just could not create a scenario for anything beyond that. And so this is a situation now where they could certainly go there because what they've done this year and the first time they stumbled was with the jets. Otherwise they beat all the teams they should have beaten to set themselves up. That's how you get to the playoffs. You go from Bad to good, first by beating all the bad teams, then you start to beat a couple of good teams. And so this is the, the shot there, well, regardless of who Pittsburgh plays. Um, you know, we'll also get a real look at how the Browns play under pressure, because I don't think they've been under much pressure this year. You're right. I, I don't feel like they have. And honestly, this Jets game was maybe, I don't know if you'd say it was pressure. It was maybe the first time they've really – had something to play for, except yeah. there were all these circumstances around it. It was just so weird. Uh, I think Stefanski was off of his game plan totally. Baker was. Um, it just was a mess. I don't know what they're doing in the secondary other than Carl Joseph and Denzel covered each other very well on a couple of plays. And I, I don't know what that, by the way, that those breakdowns back there have nothing to do with the COVID or any of that stuff. That's on them. And we've seen that a couple times this yeah, year. Yeah, too long. If you go back and watch the Baltimore game, that last the go-ahead touchdown by the Ravens to Hollywood Brown, you had guys getting picked, running into each other. Yeah. It was it was just a mess. And yeah, I went back and watched that touchdown, and it was kind of the same the same deal. I mean, it it just shows the glaring need really to get safeties. I think because either the safeties are in the wrong spot, or they don't have the cornerbacks in the right spot, or whatever. Um, and also, I mean, when Sandeo's back there, this is everybody else to beat on. He also just doesn't have the speed to make up for some of these things where when a really good safety sees that breakdown and he comes flying out of nowhere to make a play or help out, they don't have the guy that fast. I mean, you know, they like Harrison a lot, but, you know, I liked a little bit of Harrison I saw, but that's like just having a, a salad or something. We never saw the full course meal with him. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll say this, though. I, I think there is some optimism there, or there should be. I do, too. I mean, I want to see have, more. You have Harrison coming back. You should have Delpit back next year. Hopefully that Achilles heals. Well, I, Hopefully he comes back from that Achilles. Yeah, I hope so. I, remember, I'm Mr. Achilles. I, yeah. I had 
surgery on one, a partial tear on the other. Uh, yeah, you fortunately he's young, he can come back, but it's a difficult injury. I mean, it's much harder than most knee injuries. So when you look at that game and kind of how Kevin Stefanski approached it, I'm sort of conflicted. How did he approach that game? I'm serious. He approached it like a coach that had, what, 18 hours to reward the game plan? (laughs) He goes to like a guy who was having guys line up in the parking garage is what it looked like. Right. And so a part of me is like, you know, look, you know how to run the football, regardless of your game plan, you know how to run the football. But another part of me is, you've spent the week installing this game plan. You have, you have an offensive line, you have running backs, you, you have guys who have spent the week getting ready to run this game plan. How difficult is it really to just completely change it? So I'm, I guess I'm kind of conflicted on all of that. I don't know how much well, he's to blame you. and how much was out of his hands. I think he wanted to come out throwing. That's what this showed you. Yeah. That's what I yeah. felt too. Yeah. And he, he tried to do it anyway. Because in the past, yeah, they had zero yards rushing in the first quarter, I think, on five runs. But I remember one game where they ended up with a ton of yards. They had 18 yards at halftime. I forgot which game it was. It was one of the cold-weather games. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was the Philly game. Yeah, he just stayed with it. And I, granted, the defense wasn't helping the matters by giving up those easy scores. But I just, I just think, hey, he's a rookie coach. We haven't seen much rookie coach stuff from him. We did on Sunday. I don't expect something like that to happen against the Steelers because I, I do think he's – they always talk about, you know, the self-scout. I think he's a pretty good self-scout. And a couple times, like when he has mentioned, you know, I put the team in bad position or whatever, uh, most of the time there are specific things in his mind that he was alluding to. And you can go back and look at the tape and see it. Um, it wasn't like Freddie Kitchens. Oh, blame me for global warming or the pandemic. You know, <laughs> Freddie would just take anything you want. But whatever you don't like, just blame me. No, it isn't that at all. He he won't tell you, but he, he has a couple things in mind, and, and they aren't too hard to figure out. And probably that game plan, uh, the way they played it early, was one. And and secondly, maybe some of the quarterback sneaks. You know, I feel real strongly about. It. I love quarterback sneaks. <laughs> Todd Haley and I. The only thing that. Well, I mean, that's, that's what he wants to do on those fourth downs. And, uh, he needs our, to stop it. Look, our, our buddy Scott Patsko just put up a post explaining why that's the, that's the smart play. That's the analytics play is the quarterback sneak. Only if but, the quarterback can do it. And only if you don't want to worry about him getting hurt. Kelly, Kelly Holcomb broke a leg on a quarterback. Dead. Couch hurt his shoulder or something on a quarterback's knee. And Patrick Mahomes hurt his knee. These are just a couple of things I found quickly. Uh, in a game earlier in the year, they took him out. And I remember they were very upset about, worried about that. You know, I, they always like, oh, he, my quarterback, he's a football player. He ran that, he blocked that guy. Then the quarterback gets hurt. No, I want my quarterback to be a quarterback. And a, a guy wrote, well, Tom Brady's really good at it. I'm like, oh, well, everybody can do what Tom Brady can do. Yeah, Tom, Tom Brady's not exactly the bar. I, I yeah, think right. That, that you want to compare every quarterback he, to. Yeah, he is good at it, but <laughs> he's, you know, guess what? Baker's not good at quarterback sneaks, so just stop it. So, look, we got to talk about one thing. By the way, just imagine this: you got Nick in the backfield. It's fourth and one. You fake it to Nick and throw a little pass to the tight end. Well, they, I mean, they've, that's one of the reasons they've been so good in the red zone is because they create little opportunities like yes, that. Exactly. And, and you know, the, 
no matter, even if they tell the guy, watch the tight end or watch one of the tight ends, you know that when they fake it to Chubb, the defense is honing right in on him and somebody's going to be open. All he's going to do is lop it to him. So we got to talk about one other problem that is rearing its ugly head here. Um, and I know it's something you've been doing some research on. <laughs> I yeah, think you told me beforehand. And that is the kicker. And the Browns are going into a game. It's not exactly win or go home. There are scenarios where they can lose on Sunday and still make the playoffs, but it's pretty close to win or go home. Don't even go after that. It's a hundred man beat the Steelers go to the playoffs. And by the way, we just found out as we're recording this, that Mason Rudolph will start on Sunday. Um, Uh Oh, the revenge game. Yeah. yeah, We've we've got that to to deal with as well. But um, look, if this isn't win or go home, the next week will be win or go home. And you're going to have to rely on this kicker at some point to maybe go win or tie you a football game. Mm. And based on his history and based on what we've seen in the last month, that's a little nervous. It's always nervous when you talk about kickers, but it's, it's getting more and more nervous here with Cody Parkey. At least since Phil Dawson left, it's nervous. Cause yeah, here's the thing about Dawson. Even if Dawson missed a kick, I knew he was going to make the next one. There, yeah. There's sort of like no carryover with this guy. He just missed it. He'd go back and refigure what went wrong. He'd stick his finger in the air and figure out where the wind was or whatever it was, and he would just fix it. You ready for some names? I'm ready. Kickers since Phil, Joe Banner, let Phil go, which is just was a very terrible move. I wonder how many of these I could come up with. I'm going to make you try to guess some of these. Who was the kicker okay. in 13? Well, it's, okay. First of all, I know it's been Parky twice, but he's, he wasn't 13. When was no. Travis Coons the kicker? Oh, you dragged that one out. That, I was forget. That? He was 15. Okay. He was the kick six guy against Baltimore. Who was it in uh, 13? Um, a guy that played for the Ravens for a little while. Billy Cundiff. Yes, Billy Cundiff. Billy Cundiff. And then he was part of 14, and then Garrett Hartley came out Ooh, to I help out. I would have never gotten Garrett Hartley. Then the guy I forgot was Travis Coons. Okay. For some reason, 2016 I was Parky, but he didn't open the season as the kicker. That was, um, oh my gosh, I wrote a story about the guy and he got hurt. He played Patrick six. Murray. Yes, Patrick Murray. We don't want dead time. It's bad Zoom. Okay, <laughs> 2017. Okay, 2017. They let Parky go. They drafted Zane Gonzalez. Correct. 2018. Zane Gonzalez started the year. Yes. Got released after the Saints game and was replaced by can't remember. Greg Joseph. Greg Joseph, yes. Last he then year. went on to Tennessee and was so reliable that they never even tried field goals with him. Yeah. Yep. And last year? Last year was um Cybert. Cybert. Who, by the way, just did kick in a game uh this weekend. Yeah. But the only guys of that yeah. whole group you know, other than Parkey, but the, those other ones uh, are in the NFL. Gonzalez had a good career. He's in Arizona. He's actually just got hurt. He hurt his back. And then Seibert kicked a couple field goals or whatever this past weekend. So that's it. It's hard to find a kicker. It, right. And, and it's like <laughs> when people discount it. I remember, and, and I actually liked a lot of banner slots and things, but it was a huge argument he and I got into one time, just, I mean, not, you know, throwing things, but it's like, it was a total philosophical difference of one. He didn't like the fact that Dawson didn't kick deep into the end zone. 
I said, I don't care. I want to kick through the uprights. He kicks it through the uprights. It's a hard place to kick. Um, and secondly, I think he just felt that he was overpaid. You know, when you know a kicker is underpaid, <laughs> when he misses. <laughs> yeah. So pay the guy who could kick it because it's the old thing. It's just like we got spoiled by how good the Browns offensive line was this year. And then we saw this past Sunday where it, it you know, there were some holes in it and it fell apart. And I was like, Oh, this is awful. And then, you know, why that you want to make sure these guys are getting big money to do what they do. I don't know how many, I'd have to be interesting to go through a list and see how many good kickers there are, maybe 10. Yeah, there are. I mean, look, even, even Justin Tucker has missed some kicks this year. Guys yeah, miss I mean, kicks, but it's, but he, but he's sort of like Dawson. If he misses one, yeah. he's not going to miss three. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we all knew that if Justin Tucker had a chance to kick at the end of that Ravens game, it was. Yeah, that's. It, it was I still remember Dawson kicking that one through a blizzard in Buffalo from like fifty-three yards, and um, and actually, I remember think he had missed a kick the game before or whatever. I was talking to Dequell Washington, Dequell uh, Jackson after that game, and he goes, "Well, he's Phil Dawson. He makes that. He kicks through the snow, you know." I said, well, Marty, he may miss one, but he won't miss another one. And yeah. I mean, the whole team was like that. And, you know, he, they need, you know, we've had Luke Rosa and Cockroft and we've had good kickers here uh, over the years. I do think Dawson was the best and, you know, they're valuable. I, I really have found that odd. And I think analytics is sort of like, you can find these guys just standing on a corner too. And I don't agree on that. Well, the, you know, the funny thing with cyber too, that I always thought was when you, you'd kind of ask Mike Prefer about him and you, you kind of, one of the things, the weird things they liked about him, and this goes back to what Joe Banner was, was talking about was yeah. he could place his kickoffs. Meaning like if you wanted to kick and cover and try and get a team down at like the 15 or something, eh, he was pretty good at that. But to me, it's like, okay. I don't care. I care about the three points. I don't care about what right. I, and the, and the extra point. I don't, you know, fine. I don't care. You know, they could take it on the 25 yard line every single time if Phil Dawson is there or whatever you want to do. I mean, I just, so by the way, in the, because uh, I got a, hey, Terry running tomorrow. Will the Browns be looking for a kicker next year? Yeah, they will. Yeah. And the amazing thing is, like, you know, Parky's had a career. I mean, he's bounced around, but he's had a career. Uh, and his, you know, they talk about him missing kicks in big games, but in general, he just kind of runs hot and cold. He's real good for a while. That's how he gets a job, but he, it doesn't sustain it, and then he loses it. By the so, way, the other guy they have sitting there, I looked him up, Matt McCrane. Do you know anything yeah, from Matt McCrane? Pra the practice, the kind of if Cody Parkey gets COVID kicker. Yeah, right. All right, 2018, he kicked, he bounced from Arizona to Pittsburgh to the Raiders. He kicked a little bit with each of those teams. He was eight of 12 on field goals, but he made nine, all nine extra points. That's the extent of his career. All right. <laughs> Doesn't inspire me to say, let's slam him in there either. I, I think the point is, um, I think the point is that we're not going to feel great about this kicking situation. No. If we're talking about a wild card game or a divisional game, no. even, um, it's going to be nervous. No. And he's had, unfortunately for him, he's had failures on the big stage too. And I do think that impacts these guys. Um, so we're going to find out, but so score more touchdowns. Yeah. Go for two. Yeah, for sure. So how do you feel about going for two? Well, how do I feel about going for two? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> we may see some of that. I listen, I think, 
just I, it doesn't it's not for every team but i think if you're like the kansas city chiefs if you're andy Reid and you have yeah. all that talent and you have that quarterback how do you just not go for two every time yeah i mean all you have to do is hit 50 percent and you'll be even and right I, mean, I was just thinking you score four touchdowns you're probably going to convert three out of four times yeah in mean, the ahead of the game Nobody can defend that team. Yeah. So <laughs> I would go for two. Yeah. I love going for two. Uh, right. So, so, so let's look ahead to Travis this. Travis Coons edition. What, of, of, <laughs> what else are we going to talk about here? That was a lot. That was a lot of kicker talk. Well, um, you, I, I'm passionate about kickers. I really, I think you spend money on them. Uh, I, you know, they talk about drafting. I mean, that's true. I kind of think I'd rather just go spend the money on a guy I know that's pretty good. You know, Steve won't put some other team with a GM that doesn't like kickers. They're not that expensive. Yeah. <laughs> relative to other positions. I'm going to, I'm going to look that up while we move on to this next topic, actually. So looking ahead, obviously, like we said, Mason Rudolph is going to start. Uh, it's not going to be a full like backups game for the Steelers. Yeah. You know, they're going to play a lot of their starters. It sounds like according to Mike Tomlin, but not big Ben. <laughs> What, what are you expecting on Sunday? I mean, is this, I, I guess, is this the week the Browns finally kind of put those, those Steelers demons to rest a little bit? And look, they might have to go turn around and play the Steelers again in a week if, if they make the playoffs. Fine. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care. I want to be in the playoffs. I'll play anybody. Play the Chiefs, play the Steelers, you know, whoever wants to there. I mean, this is a classic game where the Steelers will show you nothing. And the Browns, Got to roll whatever whatever's left in that playbook he hasn't used. Um, his playbook, not Freddie's. Uh, they should <laughs> maybe a little of Freddie's. Why not? They, they should bring that out uh, and, and see. I just think it's a really good challenge for uh, for Baker and and for Stefanski. This can be a signature game for them. I don't care that they're playing Mason Rudolph. We've seen these guys lose to the Duck last year. Uh, who's they got? Brandon Allen beat them last year. There was like three or four quarterbacks who were just guys who beat them. Uh, so I remember when uh, – who was the starter for Jacksonville? The tall quarterback? Glennon. Yeah. I, I was thinking like it was last year. They lose to Mike Glennon in that game. Probably. That was the kind of stuff they did last year. They're not doing that junk this year. You know, go out and just, you know, shut down Mason Rudolph and just score a bunch of points and win. Well, and you know, what they really need to do too as well this week, and I think this is something Kevin Stefanski is very good at, is make sure that that Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph storyline isn't a distraction. I don't think I mean, last year, Freddie was wearing the Pittsburgh started it shirt. And don't think we're going to see that from Kevin Stefanski. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But you know that that is one of those. It was like Odell returning the punt in San Francisco when they're down a hundred to six or whatever that's right. That's one of those things, though, that if you, if you kind of let that storyline get out of control a little bit, it could become a distraction. Yes, and I just don't think, you know, this is anti, this is tough, you know, smart, tough, accountable. We're no distractions. We're all business. Um, and last thing Miles wants is anything in that direction. You know, I'm sure right. he'll handle the questions well, but um, and my guess is Rudolph particularly doesn't want to even talk about it either a whole lot. Doubt it. I doubt it, because... Um, I did, you know, the, this is a real chance. You know, you know I just, I thought, how'd you think Miles played? Did you look at the tape? I, I haven't. Yeah. So I've started rewatching a little bit, but just in real time, I actually thought he looked a little bit like I thought, I thought Miles he was better. Yeah. And, and weirdly, the PFF grades maybe didn't match what I saw, but I saw a guy that had a sack on third down, 
had what probably should have been a strip sack. I, I thought I thought he looked more like Miles. You know, the, the other thing about pro football focus, and I kind of like them more than not, but they actually had high marks for the Browns offensive line. I couldn't believe it. And did they? Yeah, they did. There's a thing that you could check my scribbles and see what they wrote about it. But the uh, my, uh, our guy Ellis Williams jumped in there and he had lots of tape to show. Uh, upon further review, here, no, they did yeah, not. Yeah, I, I saw some bad things from that offensive line. I, I definitely yes. know that. Yes, yeah, it was bad, and um, so I'm, you know, there, there, there's a thing there. I, I don't know what the heck they were talking about. I'm curious now. I'm looking up the grades as we talk. And, you know, look, this team needs to get Wyatt Teller back. Um, yes. How was it going with him? It, it sounds like he, he might have a chance to play. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as expected, these offensive linemen all got pretty good grades, except for Nick Harris. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, Kendall yeah. Lamb got a higher grade than I would expect. Right. I mean, come on. Um, you know, that's that that was just ridiculous. So uh, I don't know what the heck they were talking about. Yeah, I mean, they need to get Teller back just because I think he's important to the run game. But also, look, Nick Harris kind of learned a lesson, I think, on Sunday that mm-hmm. com- coming in in the first quarter of a game when the team hasn't been preparing for you is yeah. a little different than when a team knows that, hey, there's a rookie starting right here. Let's go get him. All right, here's a pro football focus rope. Despite the offensive line allowing three sacks, Mayfield was charged with one on his own. The unit actually played a stellar game. A stellar game. Ooh, stellar allowing just five quarterback pressures on 57 pass blocking snaps. Oh, give me a break. I don't know about that one. And they didn't, they couldn't. And, and meanwhile, to his credit, Petonio said the Jets called the Jets called a jam front. They covered up the center to two guards. They dared us to run the ball and we didn't ex- execute well enough. They beat us up. They beat us up and stopped the run. Thank you. At least Joel knew what happened. Oh, Joel. Joel's not going to mince words. No. He was there. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason he's a back-to-back good guy award winner yeah. from, uh, from the PFWA. Um, it, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's hard for me to really defend that, that offensive line. And you know what? Not having Jedrick Wills out there, too. Obviously, well, they missed those, but Wills has been so good, and I think he's yeah. so important to this run game, especially a lot of the cutback stuff they do. Mm-hmm. It, it is, and, and it just, you know – and, and, you know, Chris Hubbard, while we always run really, and Chris Hubbard, well, he's a lot better than those two guys. The, the he's a veteran. Yeah. And that's why they wanted him. So we'll see. Uh, defensively, I don't know. Did you notice the linebackers one way or the other or what was going on there? Not really. Yeah. I mean, Taki Taki made a couple plays. But they ran for 100 some yards again, the, Jet, the Jets did, didn't they? Yeah. Look, I think I'm always going to be at odds with this front office. Just as far as I would really love to see like a dominant linebacker. Right. I would pay one guy. By the way, here it is. The Jets ran for 131 yards, 34 carries. So it was only four yards a carry, but that was enough to control the game. And that helped when your quarterback was only 16 to 32, which Darnold was. Uh, So I don't know. Of course, the best pass of the game was by Crowder for 43 yards. <laughs> Those guys are so open. I mean, jeez. Yeah. The, this, this is why, you know, and, and again, I, 
I don't think it matters. If this team goes one and done in the playoffs, if they pull a couple upsets, whatever, I don't think it matters. I, I think next year's the year when you really start to raise expectations. Sure. I, I think I think this defense is probably going to be the reason this team has a pretty hard cap on what they can do if they make the playoffs. And that's okay, because the goal, I think, this year was just to stabilize things. They want it. I, I, know, what they want. The what, I know for a fact, as they say, you know, one who knows, tell with me, A, <laughs> they wanted a winning record. They hoped for 10, you know, but wanted a winning record, and they wanted to find a way to make the playoffs. Or at oh. least go into what we're seeing right now last game of the season playoffs on the line so that these guys get a taste of what that's like a big game because the Browns remember in a couple of years ago 2018 they were sort of on the edge of the playoffs but you know what were they yeah. seven and eight or I mean you, you didn't even have a winning record going into that Baltimore game what you were seven seven and one I think is what they were and then they lost yeah it. and I think they got eliminated the week before even yeah the week before whatever yeah so it's just it's not like now where you've been having a good year and, and then you see if you could finish it off, you know, December, not only for the longest time, the Browns had terrible records in the second half of the season, November and December. And part of it is when you're a losing team, you know, guys, when they're hurt, they don't, eh, do I need to play or not? And eh, not this week. Whereas, you know, you're, you're eight and four. I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. That's just human nature. Yeah. Well, like we said with Teller, this, this could be a week where maybe it's a week early, but you got to get out there because this is a yeah, playoff game. What does he have this time? An ankle. Ankle, because before it's a calf injury, right? Yeah. And Wills just got sick? Yeah, Wills was an illness. He like came off the COVID thing. list for that close yeah. contact, and then he was sick on Sunday. And, yeah. he, you know, this year you can't really – if you're sick, you can't – play you know you can't play through stuff like that this year yeah we're in the past and we all even wrote stories the guys had the flu and they were thrown up and they just played yeah i mean they they did so so yeah, we'll see. I don't, what did you think of baker I, I i don't know again this is one of those things where i'm really conflicted i mean he didn't have anybody to throw to i hit a hit in a joke a couple times on some quick passes i actually was really disappointed that Austin Hooper didn't do more. I think they were, this was a, this was a week when they needed Austin Hooper to be. Yeah. He had 15. A great targets. tight end. 15. And he caught four of his first five targets. Did he really? Oh boy. I, 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 it was three I of believe them. that's what it was. Yeah, like the first five minutes of the game. I just think they needed more out of him. And with, and with know, Baker, Baker is kind of a trust and timing quarterback. Yeah. And he didn't have any guys out there that he has timing with or, really trust and I mean, him uh, and Hooper haven't really been on the same page a lot of this year and your your client needed to get the ball more Kareem yeah well he had a, he had a drop too he had a tough yeah, drop did you I haven't gone through it did you see where Stefanski said there were seven drops I don't remember him saying that but I know I mean I think Hooper had a couple I know I Kareem had one seven. I'm, I'm yeah. like 90 percent sure um and yeah, Hooper, I mean, they, they just didn't, because he said seven drops, penalties, you know, all these negative things. I mean, look, anytime you tell me Baker Mayfield's throwing 53 passes, I'm saying the Browns lose. Yeah, that, that's not what you want out of Baker. It's not how you put, and also, if you're throwing 53 passes and your goal is not to make turnovers, that's not how you stay away from turnovers. 
Well, let's also put it this way. If you're throwing 53 passes, you better have Jarvis Landry and Richard Higgins and even Donovan Peoples-Jones on the other side of a lot of those targets. Yeah, but it's, and not and it's Demarcus Bradley and Derek Williams. There's a whole bunch of other things going wrong here. Um, yeah. Because usually if you're throwing 53 passes, actually you think the other team's scoring 45 points because uh, it, it's that kind of game. So, you know, we don't need 53 passes this week. We don't need seven drops. We don't need, I think the special teams had three penalties. I'm 90% sure on that one also. Yeah. And the only, uh, to me, the only, the only thing I'd be harsh with Baker on is you can't, you can't give up the football. Fumbles. Yeah. Like you can't, you, you've got to sense pressure. You've got to, and, and some of that might've been him trying to do too much, but you it, prob- it, it probably was. And that's, that's always a, a you know, quarterbacks, tell you that in their head part of them is if i just wait another half second somebody's going to get open yeah and offensive linemen will tell you you don't have another second you don't have another half second this is we're at three you know how they go 1000 2000 3000 that's it you know you really want to get it like, like 2.7 or something's when you want to get rid of it yeah, I want to look this up before I let you go. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Baker has been getting quicker, getting rid of the football. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always, I think he'll always be a guy that's a little closer to three seconds just because. Because um, of the scrambles that he does. Because of how he plays. But he's been getting under three, and I want to see what he was at this week. Yeah, you get over three, it, it gets hard. Let's see here. He was, where are you, Baker? Uh, he might have been under three. He was at 288 this week. So okay. I'm actually a little surprised it was that low. I thought it would have been over three this week. But they tried some of those there. And I also thought he, he, he waited a little while to go to the screen passes. When, he, when you saw how they're rushing up there, to just, you should have tried some of those more. Yeah. I don't know. It was a mess. It was an outlier. And by That's the way, really you know, I I mean, you're still getting emails too. Why did they play the game? So let's explain why this <laughs> game was played. Why couldn't they delay it? So, right. A lot of people reference Baltimore. Yeah. And my response is always Baltimore had a full-blown outbreak. So we're talking tons of positive tests. 23. And by the way, the thing about Baltimore. 23 positive tests. Yeah. Go back and look who didn't play in that Baltimore game. So so, yes, they accommodated Baltimore, but Baltimore still had to start RG3. They had 10 players out. They had 10 players out and they lost to a Steelers team that was playing just terrible football. And, the Browns had one positive test. And frankly, didn't, yeah. didn't Stefanski say this, that they won't know until Thursday for sure and it's close contact stuff? But those guys should be able to get back by Thursday, assuming they're So in other words, they would have had to delay this game till Thursday. Yeah. And they're not going to do that. No. This is, this is more akin to week. what happened to Denver. Yeah. And what happened to, I think, New England with Cam Newton. I don't remember yeah. exactly if they delayed yeah, that game a little or not, but. Yeah, because that was a thing where Mary Kay wrote a good story on it where she talked to the NFL, and, and yeah. they mentioned Newton didn't play. They mentioned Baltimore, 23 cases, and they mentioned Denver playing, what, a, a quarterback off the practice squad who was a receiver. Not even a quarterback. It was a receiver who played quarterback in college. Well, there you go. So here's, it, that's, that's it. Here, here's, I guess, where we'll leave this. You know, a lot of people – Look, I get it. In Cleveland, there's been a lot of bad things that have happened. I think people like to play the victim card. The NFL 
is not conspiring to keep the Browns out of the playoffs. I think if you if you asked the NFL if they want the Browns in the playoffs, they would tell you yes. Because <laughs> where the money comes, TV ratings. Right. TV ratings means they could charge more for their sponsors. And they know Browns TV ratings are always among the highest in the NFL. You know, what would they, I mean, they would love the Browns and Steelers to play back to back. The Browns beat the Steelers to get in there. And then here comes big Ben of let's settle the issue in the playoffs. Can you imagine that? Oh my gosh. You know, they would love that. No, no offense to the fine people of Indianapolis, but if the NFL had to choose, I think they would choose the Browns oh, over the Colts. Or the anytime, Titans. You know, <laughs> so it's just like, they would choose the Browns over, you know, our second team that we like this year, the Bills. They would, they, you know, the Bills are very popular, but they would still the Browns fan base, and especially how it translates in the TV audience, and that is gigantic. Yeah, I mean, it's like so, right behind Dallas or one of those kind of teams, you know. And the, that, of course, Dallas metro area is so much bigger, but it's just, it's you know, it's national. It's all over the place. I mean. Is it's kind of like Green Bay or one of where people who've never even lived in Cleveland, some would follow the Browns. Remember, Hank Aaron was a Browns fan. It made no sense. <laughs> right. It just right. was. That's so yeah, there's no conspiracy theory to Rice like the Browns. What's that? Condoleezza Rice like the Browns. You're right. She's a that Browns fan. But she did. <laughs> it's like people have adopted them. They adopt, they love the orange helmets. And that's isn't it's really cool. So yes. To the point of, no, they're not conspiring to keep the Browns out of the playoffs. Right. They probably would like to keep all those teams in there. What's the division with all the with the, the Giants and the Cowboys? Well, well, I'll tell you what. When we talk about TV ratings, though, that NFC East is bad teams, but great ratings. Great ratings, yeah. The Cowboys always get them. Yeah. All right. Well, then, uh, Terry, we will leave it at that. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. All right. I got one last thing. For oh, well, all right. And I asked, how would you answer this one? Because it was a Hey Terry question given to, should the Browns bring in uh, Dwayne, the Ohio State QB, next year as a kind of project QB? No. Thank you. That's I, all I, want to do with that. I would like Dwayne Haskins to end up somewhere where he can be a backup behind a veteran in a place that has a really great culture. Yeah. Pittsburgh or I, I don't know. So, yeah, somewhere there. But I don't think this. I don't think this is the place. You, you've got uh, a young quarterback. Does he fit strong? Does he fit tough, smart, and accountable right now? Right now, he does not. Yeah, I think he went over three. And you want you want to put him somewhere where he can sit yeah. for a year or two and maybe be maybe show he can be the next in line. I don't know if he ever can be that, but no, this isn't the place for him. This is not the. And also, I mean, you got your setup. You have a young quarterback here. You don't need right. another one. You got Keenum behind him. And then he could bring in whoever who is the third quarterback. They have some random um, Kyle Laletta. What happened to that Davidson guy from Princeton? They would go to him or something. Or I, I don't think he's I don't think he's around anymore. That's a good sign. We don't know who the third quarterback is, and we don't care. I, I believe it's I. I'm going to double check this. I think it's Kyle Laletta. I think he's on the practice squad. It's fine uh, with me. <laughs> he actually played against the Browns last year okay. when they played the Jets on Monday Night Football. And yep, Kyle Laletta. We're good. I'm well, there you go. There's there's your trivia question for them. And we don't need to know his name. That's even better. <laughs> All right. So with that, we talked kickers. We talked third and fourth quarterbacks. We covered everything uh, you want to know about the Browns. Terry, thanks for the time. Take care. Guys.